0: Hi and welcome to the Smart Buildings Insider, a podcast series where we get the latest insight from experts and leaders about smart buildings innovations, technologies and trends. I'm your host, Lewis Martin, a global headhunter within the smart buildings industry at CM Industrial. And today I'm speaking to a true leader in IoT evaluation, Jason Whipple, who's the Director of Business Development at IBIS, a provider of Master System Integration Services and Solutions. In this podcast, we talk about evaluation of IoT technology and breaking it down into topics including the likes of price, operations, infrastructure, normalization and ontology of data, technology and security and privacy. Today, I'm joined by Jason Whipple. Jason, good afternoon. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Good to have you here. Um, I think just before we kick things off and, and discuss um, a, a really exciting topic, uh, I've been looking forward to, to having you on the podcast, as well as also uh, going into detail about this specific topic. Um, keen to learn a little bit more about where it all started for you. Um, you've had a, a very um, broad um, what well, you've got a very broad background and experience so uh how did it all begin
1: yeah yeah absolutely it uh it was certainly a um twisted journey for me i i started out kind of from an it background um kind of in my very beginning early years and also uh with databases i i was trying to be a, a Uh, Microsoft database administrator in my very early days. And uh, while that didn't necessarily pan out directly, I I got a lot of jobs in that technical industry, software development, uh, database development, UI, all of that stuff. Um, But I kind of, there were a lot of bizarre circumstances, ended up in the buildings industry, um, just really coincidentally, and uh, started working for some uh, integration contractors in the Southern California area. Uh, a lot of growth there, a lot of opportunities, uh, a lot of very interesting um, applications for 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 building controls that I went through a couple different companies. Uh, one of which where I was a part owner and handled the operational side of things, um, everything from pulling wire above a ceiling to to pricing to sequence of operations to controls to graphics. I mean. We kind of did it all. I I even ended up three D rendering our own our own graphics. So uh, I've worn a lot of hats um, in that role. In a you know a small business contracting role, you really just got to do everything. So um, we did a lot of good, high quality work. I'm very appreciative of that time. And and then at some point, I knew it was time to move on. It was time to move on. So uh, I took a role with Mitsubishi Electric HVAC and kind of just. Took a a kind of a more relaxing role because running a business is pretty stressful. And uh, so um, basically controls um, technician for uh, Mitsubishi HVAC, their VRF equipment, and um, kind of moved up through the ranks through there, became a part of their Tritium controls solution um, where I was doing a lot of training to the salespeople, developing the product, assisting with the driver development, all kind of aspects of project management and then getting the program going. So kind of a, a high level, but fingers pretty deep into the, the daily workings. Mm-hmm. Then um, I got moved into the Mitsubishi Electric corporate office where I was doing some business development on some energy management cloud-based software, uh, where we were connecting up to utility data through the cloud, uh, doing a lot of tariff kind of work and uh, energy management, very energy management, energy audits very heavy into utility energy data. And uh, then COVID came along, so everything changed. And I uh, found myself bumping around a couple different places, uh, worked for Siemens for a short time. And uh, that didn't really pan out for my career objectives and found myself here at IBIS. Uh, at the time I joined, it was um, Integrated Building Solutions. And as the business development uh director, manager, um, I saw the need to increase our marketing uh, focus and and get a little bit of publicity for us because this company has kind of been like the best held secret of Silicon Valley from a, a controls, master systems integrator perspective. And they did phenomenal work with some amazing clients, but no one had ever heard of us. So. I shouldn't say no one, but not not enough people. Let's put it that way.
0: <laughs> sort of a, a sleeping leader
1: then by the sounds of it. <laughs> That's a great phrase. Absolutely. So uh, it's been my my job to uh, get us out there a little bit more and and tell people about what we have. And so one of the things about that is we rebranded as IBIS. And our our website was totally redone. We are producing you know, our expertise and knowledge is now beginning to be produced in in white papers and articles. So I'm, it's a very exciting time for us because we're, we're getting out there in front of the public and I, I feel like we have a lot to
0: offer. And so it's it's been a great ride and I'm loving it where I am. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and for anyone that hasn't actually seen the the website or, or know what Ibis is about, um, check it out. It's very slick. Uh, we'll provide more details towards the end of this podcast as well. Okay, thanks for the intro. Um, can you talk us through a little bit more about uh, the topic we're discussing, and and also the the follow-on, the white paper, which is going to be released on the Smart Buildings Insider.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's uh, you know the impetus for this for this podcast is is this white paper. And while we'll be you know covering these topics over this podcast, there is certainly much more information in this white paper. It, it's extensive. Uh, it's elaborate. Um, it, it's we worked very hard to make it layman accessible uh, to, to everyone because, you know, evaluators can come from every portion of the organization. And uh, it, it's certainly something we're very proud of creating, uh, worked very hard on it. And uh, we look forward to, to it really getting out there and being used successfully.
0: To, to kick things off, um, the podcast today, uh, again, really excited about this one, is to talk about iot technology um, and evaluating iot technology um naturally in in every industry um it's such a big part of of the transition digital digitalization um especially in, in an industry like commercial real estate or smart buildings which um is playing catch up um so from from your perspective jason when it comes to someone who let's say is is new to this sort of topic, um, where do they start what, what are the general categories of evaluation that um, they need to be discussing or should be concerned with in the first place
1: yeah absolutely uh, um there's there's some some main topics that uh, you know could be could be obvious but i think on a lot of occasions when you're just getting started out it, it's easy to miss some of the broad categories so uh, just kind of hit some of the broad categories you know there's there's pricing of course. Um, there's operational impacts, which seem could be obvious at the, in the beginning, but we'll kind of get into that a little bit more, I think, through this podcast and talk about, you know, how that gets more detailed and complex. But then there's the infrastructure, which again, could seem obvious, but there's some gotchas there too. Uh, some of the categories that may not be so obvious is the, the data, how the data is formatted and mm-hmm. what's a term called ontology, normalization yeah. or ontology of data um and then technology aspects and then security of course is a big one but um that's kind of the main topics and i think everything can kind of
0: fall into one of those categories okay um and uh, just touching on something you said before then um when you say operations um talk to me about what sort of operational impact should um an elevator uh, be lo- be allocating for for example
1: Absolutely. So, so for uh, an evaluator looking at all these different uh, impacts operationally, um, there's there's some kind of subcategories that 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 we've lined out. Um, so, one of the ones is if you think of operational from kind of a day to day, I need to use this system in some way. Uh, one of the things we've seen is if you have every IoT system or every operational system has its own unif- interface. Um, and if every interface is unique, that becomes a problem in a day-to-day operation. So if a, and obviously this can be anyone from HR to facilities, but if you have to get into a different interface and some of these systems don't need access every day, they need access maybe every month or every few months. And if it's a different system you know that you're getting into, getting adapted to that different interface and where things are can actually create problems. You can, it's easy to make mistakes. Uh, you have to kind of relearn the system every time you get into it. Uh, it becomes a nuisance, but I think at a, at a, at a more severe side, there's also the application to cyber um, cybersecurity when it comes to unique interfaces and tools. So if you think about every interface having a login and every tool having a login, each one of those logins is an opportunity uh for cybersecurity risk. So while it's not doesn't seem obvious that just having a unique interface would be a cybersecurity risk, um there's uh a, an IoT defense provider found that 96% of vulnerabilities are on systems with proprietary operating systems. Yep. So each time you have a provider that has their unique very unique flavor to the point of proprietary, there's there's a there's an oper, there's a open operational aspect for cybersecurity. So it, it, it goes on the mild side of, of hitting costs from a day-to-day and different interface perspective all the way to, to cybersecurity. So the way to kind of address that is, is to focus on more open technologies or, or systems that can uh, connect or integrate with a broader system that so that interface can be homogenized with the rest of your systems and it all becomes the same you're not logging into this system and then this system Mm -hmm. you have one single login the interface looks the same it's it's been normalized Mm -hmm. and in one kind of screen so that's kind of the way to adapt that and of course in an evaluation perspective this isn't a go no go kind of list as we go through this this is Mm -hmm. more This is more a kind of a voting process that should be used Is a, this is bad, but there are other other advantages. So it's not that any one of these things would kill a system being evaluated, but it should be taken into account. One of the other things to, to look into is how data is collected um, in, in an operational standpoint. So on a, Kind of a day-to-day basis. How is that data moving from that system into the rest of your systems? Um, this could be a kind of a complex issue, but I, I think one of the aspects that we see, kind of from a forty-thousand-foot level, is is the many systems are cloud-based IoT. That's kind of comes with the territory, and if the cloud data or if the data going to the cloud is the only way to get it and that limits some of the functionality, it, it really needs to be evaluated in the sense of where do I need to have this data? Are there, are, are there adjacent use cases for this system that will increase its ROI and its value? And is that primary, that limited cloud aspect restricting that? Um, so there's, it, it's it's something that really needs to be taken a look at closely, and you know ideally it's great to have a, a IoT system vendor record mm-hmm. cloud data. It's fine; they can do stuff with that that you know maybe the in house facilities can't. But it, it is better when it's like a hybrid solution where they're delivering data at the edge, so it can be collected within the facility or acted on within the facility real time. Um, but the it, it, it really depends on your use cases. I hate to use the word depends because that's not really what you want from an <laughs> ultimate guide to IoT. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it does need to be taken into account. And it's something to look into. Um, you know, there's um, your IT should be involved, but it's also important to take in, into account all the other silos of the organization and see, hey, I have an occupancy tracking system what other group within my organization can benefit from this information? And how would they use that data? How would they collect that data? And in what methodology and what makes the most sense for them? And then use that as an evaluation tool to make a system that doesn't just work for your particular group, but for everyone. And that actually uh, kind of circles back to you know your earlier question about um, where do you start? And while I gave these topics, what I really should have started out with is the fact that the real way to begin is is getting strong support from the top of the organization, getting the business objectives clearly outlined, and, and finding an unbiased source for technical expertise. Because a lot of these topics are very technical, and that's not to mean that they should be avoided. They really need to be evaluated by, by an organization. And so having a resource, an agnostic resource, to be able to assist with that evaluation is, is obviously pretty key. A mm-hmm. um, couple other things that I'll just hit on really briefly in the operational category is uh, something to think about is the device management and maintenance. And this can kind of sometimes be um, kind of pushed aside sometimes by, by providers saying, hey, we got it. But I think it's really worthwhile to look into it because um, not only is there the cybersecurity aspect of keeping things up to date, but how you manage those systems can have a major operational impact. So if for, for instance, if I have a device on the wall where I have to push a button to do an update or to configure something, that's great for a pilot project with 10 devices. But when you get to 10,000 devices, yeah. that becomes a huge problem. So, um, you know getting a, a plan in process for these different methodologies of of updates to the point of firmware. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. There could be a totally new risk that we've never seen before. And every new dev- every device needs to have a firmware update. So how is that going to be managed? You have to be able to kind of get some forethought and say, what well, how is that going to work? Um, and then lastly, um, the the there's an organizational impact of both uh, both the maintenance, like I mentioned, and also implementation. And what I mean by that is uh, the organizational gr- the groups within an organization who is taking those roles for maintenance, who is taking that role for implementation, who is going to manage this through the process. You know, if if one group brings in a IoT system, it, it's part of an infrastructure. So if their use becomes you know less valuable. Or another group finds more value in that system, you know, is there a plan for organizational shift to manage those systems or to to maintain those systems and get those systems rolled out? So, um, taking responsibility and kind of having a plan in place for which group is doing what, which kind of seems obvious, but I, I think there's some more forethought that really needs to be put in for as as values change and as systems change, how does that how does that work?
0: And um, on the operational standpoint, um, companies, your clients who have already proprietary technology or systems in place, does that then become more challenging when they're looking to bring in IoT technology? Yes, yes, for sure,
1: but not not unsurmountable. Um, Mm -hmm. So, proprietary, proprietary systems are always. A challenge, but there are certain systems that are more challenging than others. So, in 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 a legacy format or a system that's been there for years and years and years, right? Most major vendors have have released some sort of gateway, or or um, or some hub that allows the proprietary system to convert to a open format or to some sort of communication protocol that can be integrated and used and kind of remove the proprietary nature to a certain extent now what happens sometimes is that's great but when you need to modify that network or add a couple devices or make some changes you're still dealing with that that base proprietary system so that still can be a challenge and then a lot of organizations struggle with do we rip it all out and change it now or do we try and deal uh-huh. with it? And so, you know, a good cost evaluation of that kind of scenario is good because there can be hard numbers put to it, there can be, uh, you know, risk evaluations to that, especially when integrated with a organizational plan, you know, where is the business going? Are, are, we, are we expanding our real estate? Are we shrinking our real estate? You know, are we going to be subleasing? That becomes, you know, a, a big impact because when you sublease do you want to own those iot systems that your your leasers are are now benefiting from so um it, it just takes some intelligence and some planning and and some expertise into ways to handle these things um the other aspect of that is new systems that are proprietary those are actually the kind of the i don't want to use the word worst because you know there's there's a, a lot of uh, good vendors out there. And, but it, it it's a challenge because, you know, they haven't given that that access to, they haven't built that access to their proprietary system. But what we find is, you know, if we're kind of in that situation where we weren't involved early and kind of guided people away from like a proprietary solution, a new proprietary solution that was put in place, uh, there are there are very frequently ways to get that, and you know that could be an API, and it might be a struggle to get the API okay. from that vendor, but it's 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 almost usually possible. So, well, like, like I said, it it can be a really challenging uh, situation, but it's never insurmountable. There's almost always a way
0: to to get to a point to where we can make it work. Uh, and how how important is it to have it on the edge IoT technology? Uh, that's yeah, that's a great question. So that's. That's one of the uh, big aspects that
1: we've found that I think get overlooked a lot. Um, and especially with IoT systems where cloud is the de facto methodology of, of, of data uh, push. So um, kind of the the instance or the example I'll use is, is occupancy. Like I mentioned that before, so that's probably what's in my head. Um, so... You know, if you have an occupancy system that's measuring people moving throughout the rooms and that system is pushing data out to the cloud, again, no problem with that. That's absolutely fine. But there are all sorts of adjacent use cases for knowing that there are people in the rooms. I mean, you know, we turn lights on when people are in the rooms. We turn on HVAC systems when people are in the rooms. Uh, a space reservation system would like to know when people are, are in the room or not. Uh, for cleaning, you want to know whether someone is in the room or not. All sorts of different aspects. Um, you know, even to an IT perspective, you, you would like to know if someone's in that room and, and accessing a computer when that hasn't been reserved. That's a cybersecurity flag that can be used to maintain a, a stronger cybersecurity uh umbrella in your organization. So all sorts of methodologies. But if it is in the cloud, there could be a very high latency to getting that data to those other systems and and could even be more difficult than just having that data accessible uh, in the edge, I'm sorry, at the edge at the building level. Even if it's with an API, we can do uh, calls at the edge level much quicker within those organizations. And it also creates less cybersecurity risk because that's all inside the internal network, right? So if I'm making a lot of Data calls into a occupancy system within the building. That's all much more secure than having to make a bunch of open ports on the cloud to get that. It's not to say that that can't be secure. Of course, it can be. Um, but there's with cybersecurity, there's never no there's never an absolute. It's it's levels of gray in cybersecurity, and you always want to shoot for more. Just that's the way it works. So. Um, so that's kind of where we, we like evaluators to look is say, you know, if, if it's all in the cloud and that's the system you want, that's fine. We'll work with it. We can make it work. But there could be some impacts of that latency of data and, and how that data is shared from that cloud. It may not be hey you can call us every minute. It may be restricted to every 15 minutes you can get data from me. And that could just be a rule set that they put in place. And then I don't, you know, as, as, a, as a master system grinder from my role, getting data when someone's in the room every 15 minutes, that's just not fast enough.
0: Okay. Makes sense. Um, And uh, we've not yet spoken about pricing. Um, Naturally, it's a a very complicated topic, Um, whether you're a smart buildings professional or building owner. um, What can you share that will help individuals listening to this decision makers um, with that area of of evaluation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I frequently say, you know, pricing probably deserves its its own separate topic. But in a, in a sense, it's it's almost impossible to do because um, it's very dependent on the systems you're evaluating, the vendors, uh, the budgets in place, the specific needs of the business. So it, it's it's very it's very customized to every situation. But there are some general categories that I think are, are kind of worth mentioning from the aspect of evaluation, so that it doesn't get overlooked. So. Um, one of the uh, topics is pricing models. And, you know, back in the day, you just paid for something and that was done, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah. it, was, it was, you know, a CapEx budget. And, and then ROI was nice and simple because it just got paid off and then you got all your gains. Um, and nowadays things are a little more complicated um, because it's not just software that is in a, a subscription model but it's, it's hardware and software combined, or sometimes it's more hardware than even software, but it it is, it is critical to, to evaluate the pricing models in comparison with the business objectives and, and how that aligns with the ROI evaluation from that business. Um, And, and to really be careful about the CapEx OpEx split and how that works with your, your business's budgetary practices, right? If, if, if you have to justify your OPEX every year, and your IoT system is part of that OPEX budget, be prepared to justify that IoT systems value every year. And sometimes, you know, IoT systems can have a great initial value, but kind of diminish over time, because you get that data set, and you can make actions, you get all that data, and it's fantastic, it's great. But after you make those actions, those values become incremental and less, not to say that they don't keep coming in, but they may not justify a a subscription cost or an OPEX budget
0: every year. So that's important to evaluate. Just to jump in there, sorry, does does that also mean or require consumers, the building owners to to ensure that they are constantly being engaged with the technology and utilizing it to the the best ability
1: exactly exactly and that's and that's a an obligation an operational obligation and and resource obligation that that could be difficult to maintain you know as as sometimes departments grow and shrink and so what's and and here's the other thing about pricing models is they're not sometimes open for negotiation as your value changes like going back and say hey i have i have you know 10,000 installed devices but i don't want to pay as much anymore and that's <laughs> That's not the way it works. Um, so, and, and then, so it, it's it's important to evaluate those models with as much forethought as possible. Um, but absolutely, yeah.
0: And you... Did highlight very briefly the importance of of um, normalisation ontology. Uh, naturally, data is, is um, incremental um, with technology, whichever technology um, you put into a building. Um, can you discuss normalisation and also ontology and, and put that into layman's terms <laughs> and how? The effects of the presences of on, of one IoT system over another.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, yeah, those are those are certainly industry terms, um, and we use them every day. But I, it does need a little bit of explanation. So, uh, normalization is is kind of a bigger umbrella term. But in, in a sense, my my analogy for using that uh, um, is is when data comes to a system, and let's say it's a light switch. Is that data represented as a zero or a one? Or is that represented as an on or an off? Or is that represented as a yes or a no? Or, you know, so data can come into a system in all sorts of forms, but mean only one thing. And so, in a sense, it's almost like a language translator. It's like getting the same word in multiple languages. It all means the same thing, it can all be translated to the same thing. But something needs to take that data format and and normalize it into one single set of data, so that it can all be uh, interwoven and integrated, so that it can be displayed in the same way, it can be controlled in the same way, and it's easily, more easily worked with in an enterprise kind of format or, or a campus format, or even a building. Um, so that's normalization, and it kind of means other things as well. But I think from a from a a, a simple Explanation. That's kind of the best way to go. Ontology is 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 a little more complex and, and also um, you know there's probably a lot of people that would say that it expands a little bit, but I think in a basic sense, it is it's it's a way to describe uh, a piece or a, a a device or a piece of data in the network in a very consistent way. So I'll, I'll go back to my example, the light switch. Um, making sure that of the thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of light switches within an enterprise are all called a light switch and the data related to them, you know, it, is it a, is it a light switch with an occupancy sensor? Is it, is it a light switch where the occupancy sensor is in the switch or is the light switch where the occupancy sensor is in the ceiling? Is it a light switch that has dimming effects? Is it an led light switch or is it a fluorescent light? So all sorts of different aspects of, of light switches, which you think would be so simple, but ontology helps us very consistently uh, name and tag devices or, or data in a way where there is no ambiguity and it's very structured across the entire network, across the entire data system, and then it goes for for all the data that's coming in, whether that's coming from HR or 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 finance or, you know. If, if you have a centralized data lake where all the data is being building operational data is all getting centralized, that data all needs to make sure that you're not talking about the same thing in different ways and it gets missed. Um, and a lot of that has to do with analytics and AI. You know, if those machines need to know what kind of data this is and to not skip something. Um, so that's that's ontology, kind of in a nutshell, um, and how that relates to an evaluation for an IoT system. Is uh, some of those things can create more or less difficulty. Uh, so to go back to normalization, um, it, normalization can, can get more complex in the sense that if an IoT system is delivering data and that data comes in in a like a page of information, so like I'm going to give you everything I know about this piece piece of equipment in a page document, and this is kind of a kind of making analogy to to kind of IT systems, but just bear with me. And then you have Uh the rest of your systems are, you know, a single thing that says on off or a number or very simplistic data. Merging that kind of data sets are, it's not impossible by any means. That's kind of what we do as our role, but there's a difficulty level there. And so it's not that you want to, again, this is not a yes no kind of evaluation, but if you have a system that is less adaptable to normalization, be prepared for costs and be prepared for potential challenges in the future with, you know, integration to other systems, you know, the less proprietary and the more proprietary and the more universal, the way they treat their data, the easier it's going to be. And so that normalization can be, can be critical in that sense. Uh, From an ontology sense, kind of the same sort of categories go, but, There are some ontology standards that are being developed and that could create difficulty if a vendor has kind of just put themselves into one ontology bucket and your organization has decided on a different one. Uh, So it's a good question to ask. It's again, it's not one of those things where you want to say, you know, you're using this, so I don't want to use you. Everything's overcomable. Everything's, you know, able to be achieved, but it's something you want to talk about. You know, how, how do you describe your device over data? Is it something that, meshes well with our existing system or is it something that's going to take extra work and organization and maintenance over over the life of the system to be able to mesh
0: naturally technology when it comes to evaluating iot technology is the one of the the largest parts Um, and for some probably the most interesting um aside from getting the the latest and also the greatest uh, what in the technology category can derail an iot project
1: yeah yeah absolutely so um yeah technology is certainly a broad a broad topic and there are a lot of uh, kind of subtopics to that um you know i'll come back to proprietary you know avoiding proprietary is is kind of a good place to start but um you know there's uh one of the common questions that comes up related to this is is future proof you know how how i've got the latest and greatest technology what guarantee do i have that in two years from now there's not going to be a better product on the market and 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 i have to rip all this out to get that better value and and obviously nobody has a crystal ball and nobody can see what's coming down the road perfectly but one of the places I like to tell people to start is is to, is to again, avoid the proprietary, I hate to be a broken record on that one, but it can be a, a big uh-huh. hang up. And then um, looking for flexibility within a system. Uh, the more flexibility a system offers, the more it can adapt and and, and be used for other things that come up along the lines in every use cases. And a good example to that is you know, who would have ever imagined a few years from now, I going through this pandemic and the flex hybrid workspace environment. I mean, uh, certainly remote working was getting on the rise, but but nothing to this degree. And, yep. and the use cases have just been coming at us heavy and fast. And the systems that have had flexibility and one of the examples of that I'll use is uh, lighting system occupancy sensors. Um, You know, they're very uh, simple and simplistic in their functionality, most systems are, and that data is very accessible through many lighting systems. And we've been able to adapt those to that flex hybrid work model very, very efficiently and been able to bring buildings down to a much lower energy usage by, you know, shutting down parts of the building that are being used. And who would have known that that would have been such a big use case? You know, it was it was fine before it got you a little bit of energy savings as people were coming in late in the morning or leaving early in the afternoon. You got a little bit, but now it's a huge deal. So, uh, yeah, that kind of flexibility is, is, is a good example um, and keeping things on a very simplistic basis. Um, you know, I see a lot of IoT systems where they capture this raw data and then they attach their value to it their analytics and their ai and their in their assessments and then they spit out more of a report as a data output and that's great but from a system where i'm controlling things that report is very hard to pull out that raw data which is what i need and so that's 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 the kind of flexibility i'm talking about is that base level data where someone like a master systems integrator like us can take it and actually utilize it. So the other ones kind of areas where we, we like to look at is um, uh, the vendor focus uh, on the, on the system objective. And, and this is kind of sounds weird, but um, there's a term that is not a real word yet, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be added eventually at some point, but uh, <laughs> it's called diversification. And it, it essentially is, When you have a vendor who's kind of trying to be everything to everyone, uh, what can happen is it can remove focus from their core value set. And uh, it's not to say that that value isn't there, but some vendors will focus on that main core value and do it very well. And then there's other vendors who, again, try to just Diversify and diversify and diversify to a point to where it kind of waters down that value, and 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 that's something from a technology perspective that we like to look at and make sure that the focus is going to be given in the future. Because if they're doing that now, it's going it's usually just going to be exacerbated unless the company's growing, you know, by leaps and bounds. Um, Another another topic is dependencies, and uh, there's sometimes less obvious dependencies to look at uh there could even be organizational or group dependencies for example there's the one guy in the one group that knows how to make this work and if they leave then it all falls apart so that's not that's not the dependency you want you don't want dependency on a person and and to have that technology work because of of one person or one small group can it can be a problem um so uh also you know the maintenance and support and 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 updates, you know, is there a dependency there? Is is there a dependency on a technology or or, or a group within IT that only works with that necessary that network to, uh, type? That's that's a problem. Um, so uh, also um, data availability, which is 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 kind of similar to some of the topics we've covered before, um, but it also has to do with on a on a more technical basis. Uh, the actual specific communication protocols. So if if I have a system that uses an open building communication protocol, that's a good start because that allows us to get the data easily. Um, It it makes for easy networking and that's great. But most IoT systems, especially the newer technology systems, don't have that yet. And so we're talking about using a software connection to that system, which is is called a, a RESTful API or a REST API. And um, basically, that just is a is a kind of a pseudo standard way of communicating from one system to another. The the where it needs to be taken into focus is that not all REST APIs are 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 the same. Um, it is a it is a general set of how to write a communication method, but it is not like a hard and fast standard. Uh, you could have the same system and have two absolutely different rest APIs written So it's important when it's when a vendor says oh we've got an API that's great but that's the first step. The next step is how difficult is that API to work with like let's let's have a, someone read through that and that's not always so easy either because some of those apis are considered intellectual property by a lot of vendors and so you need now you're talking about an NDA. And, and that's not insurmountable either, but it does, you know, it slows down, slows down the evaluation process. So it's something to look at the very early on and make sure that process starts and gets underway so that it can be evaluated properly. So analytics is, is another thing. Um, and that's a very big topic, of course, but, uh, you know, one of the things I like to look at is, is, is analytics is a systems analytics restricted to the analytics they provide. And I'll kind of I'll kind of stop it there it's something to think about It's something to look at um and because it kind of dovetails into some other topics of data accessibility but it's definitely worth looking at um, or there's some maybe proprietary analytics where you're married to their analytics system and now all of a sudden you've got all these parallel analytics or ai systems and that's a challenge of course right you want to unify all that as much as possible um, technology maturity uh and and certainly you know with new technologies you don't have that but if you're used Going and evaluating system that's been out there for a long time, uh, looking to see is this vendor just now offered this technology or is this other vendor been doing this technology for a long time? And that's not to say that that's necessarily even a bad thing. Maybe the new vendor is doing things in a better way, um, but it's certainly to look at. Um, Two more topics. I know this is a big one, but like like I said, technology is a big topic. Uh, I'll quickly hit on um, accuracy and precision. Uh, verification. So essentially you need someone to analyze your systems and find how accurate and precise that data is. And, and those are not same terms, um, but that's kind of elaborated on our white paper. I won't get into that. Um, yeah. And then um, solution separation flexibility uh, is the hardware married to the software. How flexible is that separation? Um, that's, that can be a critical piece to accessibility as well.
0: Yeah, let, let's touch on solution separation then. Um, there's been a, a huge uplift in analytics, AI, in systems, whether they're add-ons or, or even built-in. So w- let's talk about when they're built-in. Um, w- what about those systems when it comes to solution separation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, it, it kind of comes into the siloed system issue. Uh, this, a siloed system, just like a siloed organization is not good, a IoT system silo is not good. It it doesn't allow a a integrated uh, system that all works together within a building. And the less siloed a system is, the more functionality can happen in the future. Uh, We have uh, uh, major clients that are doing things called operational data lakes, where they take all of the operational data within a building, they centralize it within their own managed database, they control that, which means they control the data accessibility, through cybersecurity means. And that's that's very important, right? This, this data is sometimes getting into personal data, which is something you need to control very precisely. Uh, so um, having that flexibility where you don't or you aren't absolutely married to their software solution is a lot of future proof and kind of um, functionality that may not necessarily be obvious in the beginning. It, it, it's pretty critical to see what what organizations are moving towards. And that really is a unified uh, building operational technology database where everything is stored and everything can be analyzed by a one comprehensive AI or analytics package. I mean, that's obviously an advantage, right? If, if the organization can train everybody on how to use the AI and analytics, you get a lot more value and all that data is centralized. It's easier to control.
0: Okay. Um, And uh, what is the best practice to avoid systems that either need the likes of upgrading or, or replacing by technology um, in the near future?
1: Yeah. So um, a lot of that I covered, I covered with the the future proof topic. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that it's, it's, it's worth looking at the history of a technology and seeing its progress and in, in changes. So, uh, you know, occupancy sensors or, or occupancy tracking systems, this is difficult because occupancy tracking systems are using many different technologies. Some of them are using cameras, some of them are using infrared, some of them are using lasers. Mm-hmm. And, and evaluating that technology in a, in a critical way is important. We found systems where uh, the sunlight changing in through the windows of the office uh, impacted the way they were identifying the number of people. So some of these technologies have been out so recently in, in racing to get to these, these needs that they haven't necessarily been evaluated in every scenario. So looking at a, a technology's maturity, not necessarily even the vendor, but a very specific technology use, you know, lasers, infrared cameras, you know, how AI, uh, how often has it been used and how mature is it?
0: Okay. Um, and it's it's very hard to discuss anything these days with, without including security. Um, and uh, we know uh, everyone's seen a, a lot of content out there at the moment on this topic. It's a hot topic, uh, especially cybersecurity. Um, is there anything that you can add to that topic, which perhaps may be overlooked or, or needs to go into detail?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. So... Um you know, certainly not getting into the very specific details, because where we go with that is that really should come from the IT department, because they have yep. that ownership, that responsibility of that. Um, and unfortunately, we find a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't do that direction. But it really, it needs to be a single source of of organizational responsibility from the IT. So, um, but uh, obviously, making sure that the system evaluation is done through the IT department and there are no exceptions made, right? Like that that really shouldn't be something that gets bent. It, it, it either complies or it doesn't. And, and that should certainly be a good rule. Um, and there are certainly things that can be done so a system can be put in a more secure fashion and that can have be a discussion, but the end result compliance should always be there. Um, and certainly, that's that's kind of an obvious one. But I think a less obvious one is data ownership and availability. So, um, you know, this relates to GPDR implications. And from an evaluation standpoint, you don't want to find those problems after a system's installed, right? <laughs> so, uh, we're yeah. getting more and more into personal data. We're looking at when someone's in their office. And, you know, we've got cameras of people coming in and out. And so, it's important that that aspect is, is looked at from from a cybersecurity perspective or a data ownership perspective, I kind of lump data ownership with cybersecurity. Um, and hopefully IT departments are on top of that and that's an aspect they're evaluating. Um, and then lastly, um, I kind of covered this before, but but maintenance and updates uh, are, are are a cybersecurity issue. It's, it's kind of has to do with change management and life cycle management and making sure that, yes, at this very instant we're secure, but do we have a plan from a day to day, five years, 10 years out, that this can maintain security through updates and new threats. How, how maintainable is this? And I think that's that's an aspect to, to, to be evaluated.
0: Brilliant. Um, so to, con- to conclude then, um, how would you conclude this, let's say if you were talking to a building owner uh, or even a, uh, another industry professional who wants to gain more insight on this?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think for me uh, these topics get very technical and they get very in depth and there's a lot of background and knowledge in very, all these areas that is necessary. So um, making sure you're not going alone is, is, is a, is a big one for me making sure your expertise is available and, and accessible and, and committed to the same business objectives. Uh, You don't, we see a lot of situations where the, the, expertise coming in through an evaluation has their own agenda and that's problematic, right? Because it, it should be unified objectives. And so getting someone that is is 100% purely fighting for your organization and your organization's objectives, I think is pretty critical with that background of expertise that can help you through this whole process.
0: Okay, perfect. Well, uh, Jason, uh, really enjoyed this conversation. It's, uh, it's great to have you on here. I think to to follow on then uh, as we discussed at the start uh, there is a white paper to follow on. Um what can you tell the the audience um about this?
1: Absolutely. So yeah the the white paper it's it's a, it's a, it's a lengthy one. Uh there's certainly some some reading there, but um you know we keep it at as high level as possible without trying to miss any topics. So, you know, it's it's about 16 pages and um it we're not getting into, you know, highly technical things. We're, we're getting into categories that everyone should be able to understand. And uh, it can be a reference as you go through it to make sure, because I mean, we're talking about a lot of topics here. There's a lot of individual topics. Yeah. So <laughs> it's easy to miss and having a a guide to go through, or, I mean, you can call it a checklist, but there's so much to each topic that we didn't want to make it a checklist. We wanted to make it, you know, give a little bit of information on every single one. Having that to go through the process, we hope will be very helpful and, and give some background knowledge to kind of the the expertise you're looking for and what you're in store for. You know, what is this going to take? What, what kind of things do I need to plan for? And we hope, we hope that'll, that it will provide that.
0: Perfect. Um, and to get exclusive, uh, the exclusive on this uh, white paper, you must be signed up to the Smart Buildings Insider. Um, so if you haven't already, please sign up. Uh, it is one which... I mean, we are biased, but it's a, it's a worthwhile read. Um, outside of this, Jason, um, for individuals who, who want to contact you and, and learn more about what IBIS are doing currently, um, how would you suggest they, they approach you?
1: So probably, uh, you know, you can find us on LinkedIn, but I think probably the easiest way is just is just go through our website. And um, it is www ibis msi.com so that's ibis master systems integrators is what that stands for so Ibismsi.com and you can find a uh, ways to just get in touch with directly uh, a chat all that phone number all of that stuff jason anything
0: else to add nope no i think we did a pretty good job covering this as well as you can thank you no problem uh, a pleasure having you on uh, and uh, as always thanks to everyone who's listening take care that was my conversation with jason whipple who's a director of business development at ibis i'd like to thank jason again for his time and fascinating insight on iot evaluation and more broadly speaking about the smart building space if you'd like to ask myself or jason any questions about what we discussed please do not hesitate to get in touch you can email me at lewis.martin at industrial-cm.com This podcast was powered by CM Industrial, a global search firm with specialised consultants dedicated to the smart buildings market. For more information about our services, please go to searchingindustrial.com. That's it from me. Thanks very much for listening. I've been your host, Lewis Martin. Bye for now.